We'll be in Titus chapter 1 and 2 today. We'll read these verses as introductory and then we'll pray and then look at what the lesson is for us this morning. Titus 2 verse 1, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. So here we are in chapter 2. So in this writing to Titus, and uh, so today we'll talk about sound doctrine for aged men. But I want you to understand it's not just for the aged men. Uh, if you notice the word in, in verse 3, the aged women likewise, in like manner. And so these are things that ought to be present in all of our lives. Uh, it doesn't say that, you know, the men should be sound in faith, but the women don't have to be. That's not the idea of the writing here. Uh, so don't, if you're not an aged man, and by the way, I didn't put a, a, a age on that, a specific year. Uh, I don't know. The more I get up in age, the more I really feel, don't feel so aged. Um, so I, I certainly can't imagine what Brother Brock feels like and Brother Tom First, you know, some of these guys that, that maybe... <laughs> those that are considered aged men, but just don't tune out the Word of God today because it is applicable to all of our lives. But as we we looked at in in previous weeks, Titus was uh, left there in Crete to set some things in order that were wanting. And uh, of course, we know that involved appointing elders uh, to shepherd and to oversee the local churches there uh, in Crete or on Crete. It also included speaking things which become sound doctrine. And we looked at this a little bit, and how do we do that? Verse 9 in chapter 1 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayer. So it's really being faithful to the word of God is how we get sound doctrine or those things that we ought to teach and believe. Um, and so when we get to chapter 2, it says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Uh, Titus was given no easy task. Um, he had his work cut out for him, we might say. Uh, Look at the description of where he was left to minister and to set in order. Chapter 1, verse 10, it says this, uh, 10 through 16, For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers. Uh, So these are the insubordinate, the unruly. Uh, They're vain, they're, they're deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, It says that they subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. So they're not doing it because they're trying to honor God. They're just trying to make some some dough, really, is kind of what that boils down to. Uh, One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans, Cretans or Cretans, are always liars. These are the people that he's going to minister to and and to try to set in order those things that that are wanting. They're always liar, evil of beasts. The idea really of just kind of savage, they really uh, do whatever they want, I guess you would say. Slow bellies, they're, they're a gluttonous uh, people, and, and really there's more to that, but uh, that's not our point today. But it's, look at what it says, this witness is true. And so, boy, I'm thankful that I'm not ministering in such a place. Uh, what a difficult place to be. And it says this, wherefore be, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, right? And so the goal is that they would be sound in faith. Uh, They must be rebuked. Uh, 
but look at what it says here. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. And so Paul's telling them, these are the things that you ought not be doing, right? Don't be giving heed to these Jewish fables and, and the commandments of, of men. Those things are turning from the truth, right? They're contrary to the word of God. Unto the pure, all things are pure. Unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Look, at, here, here it is. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Being abominable, disobedient, and on every good work, reprobate. Can you imagine the responsibility to go into a group of people that this is their description and this is who you get to minister to? Now, what I would say is to some extent that these things are true in our community. Uh, hopefully not in the membership of Liberty Baptist, right? Uh, that would not be a good description of who we are. And, and so as we get into chapter 2, this is the description of who the people of God ought to be, those that are sound in faith. So in contrast to these false teachers, these vain talkers, these deceivers, he is to speak the things that become sound doctrine. And the idea, I think I shared this last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, the idea is there is to be in good health, to be uncorrupted. We talk about sound. And so sound doctrine. So sound doctrine is that which is spiritual healthy. It's wholesome. It's uncorrupt. And I would say this. I would say that that which is biblically right. Now that, that, that's probably the easiest way to put it. Um, <clears throat> and how do we do this? Again, by remaining faithful to the Word of God. Uh, the Word of God ought to be uh, the primary, uh, really the only focus of what we do or, or the, the thing, not that we can't use other books that are helpful, but oftentimes the books that I read, they're right. trying to expound on the things in the Word of God and try to break it down for this guy that's not so bright. So sound doctrine is therefore that which is spiritual, healthy, wholesome, uncorrupt, those things that are biblically right. And we see some instructions in our text at how sound doctrine is understood as practical teaching for Christian living. Right? Doctrine is teachings, and so these are things are, are practical things that ought to be evident in the lives of the believer. Um, sound doctrine includes many things, right? Spiritual truths related to the gospel, the church, and how it's to be structured. We understand that, but... Uh, there is definitely an exhortation here that it affects our conduct, and our conduct ought to be a godly conduct, uh, sound doctrine. Often in my experience, much is said about the preacher's conduct, and there's been little emphasis on the congregation's conduct. Uh, we probably should admit that to our shame in churches. There seems to be a microscope on the man of God. And listen, rightly so, he needs to be sound. Right, he he ought to uh, be lining up with what the the scripture qualifications, as we call it, are. Though there's it, that, that God said that, not me. But the flip side of that is there's scripture that deals with the people of the church as well. And so, don't ever expect to hold somebody to a different standard that you're not willing. Because if we were to break down a lot of this stuff, guess what? All of these characteristics that Paul tells Titus to teach, to exhort sound doctrine. If we line it up against the qualifications of a preacher, guess what? It's pretty much the same thing. Um, so 
there are some differences. There's some specific things that, and we looked at that in the weeks past, but uh, never get the idea that the preacher is something different than you ought to be. Everyone ought to be a soul winner. And listen, I'll tell you this, everyone ought to be a preacher. Not a pastor. Right? But we are to go preach the gospel to every creature. So you ought to be preaching the gospel, even just sharing your testimony, sharing Christ wherever you go. It's not the pastor or the the staff's job to do that. If anything, a good argument could be that that person is here in the church to equip the saints. And he's laboring in prayer and he's laboring in the word so that he can equip the saints to go out into the community and do that. Praise God, preachers often share the gospel when they're out in public. Right? But anyway, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to dig too deep there. <clears throat> so here we are. We have some teaching on specific demographics within the church. Uh, Lord, help us to unpack what God has for us here. Did you know there's an intimate and essential relationship between belief and behavior? When we say that we believe in Christ and we've trusted Christ as our, as our, our Savior, it will affect our behavior. Uh, we're new creatures in Christ, are we not? Things ought to change. And so for somebody to profess Christ and live in a way like the world, that's an indicator that that profession may be false. Now, I can't judge. Right? I have a few people in my life, that, and I have one in particular, they have told me, Face-to-face, I've questioned their salvation to them, and they said, listen, no, I have trusted Christ. I remember the day, and so I I quit questioning them anymore, but I'm praying for them that they'll show fruit, right? And so uh, look at verse 16 in chapter 1. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Abominable, disobedient, unto every good work, reprobate. Certainly that's not what we would want our testimony as the people of Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Uh, We want to be doers of the Word. Uh, And so listen, we need to be in the Word because it's quick and it's powerful. But if we're not in the Word, boy, it can't accomplish that which what God intends in our hearts to pierce us and to to lead us and to to change us. And so certainly this morning, I encourage you, get into the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Don't just let Sunday be the only time you're in the Bible. Uh, get into it every day. And, and listen, I, take time to be in the Bible. I, listen, I, I don't have my cell phone on me. I have a cell phone. I have Bible apps. I have all, you can get all these devotionals that, well, if you read this chapter and you read this paragraph, boy, you'll feel good about yourself because you read the Bible and there was a good thought there. Listen, I think God desires more from his people. I think he desires them to get into there and to read the word and to memorize the word. And really to just tarry there. Don't just do something so you can check it off and feel good about yourself. Get into the Word of God so that you can learn of Him. So you can see what He desires of you. Read enough to where God does prick your heart. If you're reading a proverb a day, praise the Lord, but that might not be enough. That really isn't enough. Read it until you... God speaks to you. And I get it. There's, there's, there's 
pressures of the day and, and you got to get up and you got to get to work and, and you should probably shower before you go to work so you don't smell terrible with your coworkers, right? Maybe you shower the night before, I don't know. But what, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is make it a priority in your life to have the Word of God as part of your daily life. And if you didn't get something in the morning, maybe read it on your lunch break. Maybe read it before you go to bed. Desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. Don't be content just to soothe your conscience. Get into God's Word. It, and listen, this is the hardest part. And I, and I think sometimes in our, it, the, it's the worst for people that are churched, faithful to church. They're not doers of it. When God says, whoa, what do you got there? Deal with it. All right, God, you don't want that in my life? I'll get rid of it. Or, wow, Lord, that's absent in my walk with you and absent in my Christian life. I need to include that here. Be a doer of what he reveals to you. Not just a hearer only, but be a doer. Don't profess God, but in works, deny him. Don't be disobedient to the word of God. Certainly, we know that was the case here on Crete. And so, Titus was left there in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Listen, the Jews' fables are known. The commandments of men are known. That's not what you want. You need to hold fast to the faithful word and speak that which is sound doctrine. And with that, we look at this. We have some conduct becoming of aged men, if you will. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, charity, in patience. In charity, in patience. What does it mean to be sober? Uh, the idea is self-controlled, temperate, especially when it comes to wine, uh, but meaning sober-minded, watchful, circumspect, in the same state of mind which is free from excessive influence of passion, lust, or emotion. To be sober, grave, venerable, reverend, reputable, dignified, honorable. And it's really not just an earthly dignity, but also that which is derived from a higher citizenship to heavenly citizenship. Uh, which is really the possession of all believers. We've been in in Philippians chapter 1 with our striving together thought. Listen, we're resident or citizens of heaven. And our conduct ought to be becoming of that. Listen, God expects you to live a certain way. And listen, I'm not going to tell you the do's and the don'ts because we need to be very careful about that. There are some things that are plain in Scripture that if somebody is participating in it, we know that that's sin, and, and, and we need to deal with that and, and rebuke them sharply, Paul tells Titus here. But listen, sometimes we, if we're not careful, we'll get our own personal idea of what godliness is. But we need to be careful. But uh, again, get into the Word of God and allow God to change you. Listen, don't let the church people change you. Listen, you can come here and there's a common way that people dress, is there not? And I know I'm on touchy ground right here. Listen, and I'm not critical of any, the way anybody dresses. There ought to be standards. But don't come here and conform to something just because you see everyone else doing it. Now, there ought to be some reverence for the house of God, I believe. So don't just come in here wackadoodle. But, but listen to me this morning. Allow God to set your dress standard. Amen. You know what the amazing thing is? Oftentimes that's how we get very similar. 
we end up looking the same because God's made the standard. We weren't making it ourselves. And what I would say for you spiritual ones, you, you mature ones, don't be critical of the people that may not have grown yet. Maybe God hasn't brought them to where you're at. And listen, maybe where you're at isn't as high as you think it is. And we just need to be honest there too. Anyway, before I get myself in trouble, let's move on. The word there that grave comes from, there lies something about the majestic and awe-inspiring qualities. Uh, It's something that invites or entracts. Uh, a, a grave spirit, and so what? But moving on, temperate, discreet, of sound mind, self-disciplined in one's freedom, self-restrained in all passions and desires. And again, we might say conduct becoming of the gospel. We won't take the time to look at Philippians chapter one. Listen this morning. What am I saying? Older men are set the tone of the congregation by sobriety, gravity, and temperance in our church. Um, Sound in faith. What is faith? Subjectively, it's the meaning of a firm persuasion or conviction, belief in the truth, uh, uh, faithfulness. Uh, But objectively, it's, it's that which is believed, doctrine. The articles of the faith, maybe some may say, and so they need to be sound in faith. Uh, charity, love, affection, regard, goodwill, benevolence. This is spoken more, uh, especially of the goodwill toward others, the love of our neighbor, brotherly affection. Listen, is that not what the Lord commands and inspires in us? Charity? I know I'm speaking because the text says aged men. Is this a description of the men of our church? Do we demonstrate sobriety, gravity, temperance? Are we sound in faith? Are we faithful to the Word of God and in all, it, in all that it teaches? Do we show charity amongst the brethren and amongst our community? Patience. Well, let me back up. Actually, on the way to church today, Cindy was looking at her, her face place, Facebook, I think it is. And uh, our church has a pretty good testimony in Ellsworth Families. It's a Facebook group for the base. And occasionally people ask about churches in, in Rapid City. Where is this? You know, where, where could I go? Who, what churches would you could recommend? There are typically three churches that are always talked about. Fountain Springs. They're a larger church. I think they have three services on a Sunday, right? Bethel. And there's a few outliers out there. But you know the, the other one that's always mentioned? And, and the thing that always surprises me is it's not always people that are here, but probably should be. But that's a different discussion. But Liberty Baptist Tabernacle is always there. Um, and that blessed my heart coming in today. Just to think as I, I knew I was going to be talking about these characteristics that ought to be evident in our church family. And I thought, well, God, I know God's working here. Uh, listen, we have a good testimony in the community. And that's a blessing to hear. Uh, <clears throat> let's keep that up. 
aged men, and you, aged ladies too. We'll talk about you next week. But patience, and this is, was a good thought. I, I thought I'd share about patience. Uh, the idea, the Greek word, I can't pronounce it, so I won't try it. It says, a bearing up under. It's an endurance to things or circumstances. It's different than the idea of forbearing, which oftentimes we forbear with people. And that, this isn't saying that the aged man shouldn't be forbearing. But, but when we talk about this idea of being patient, and maybe it spoke to my heart just because of recent things going on in my life, but um, it's often associated with hope. 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says this, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. So this idea here of patience, it's one that doesn't surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. Patience of hope and in hope. And the aged men, listen, may be unhealthy in body due to physical infirmities. Whatever the case may be, but they're to be spiritually sound through an ever-increasing faith, love, charity, if you will, as the Word of God puts it, and patience. We need to be patient in, in enduring through trial. Sometimes life's not easy. Sometimes there are difficulties. Sometimes it's hard to show charity because there's resistance or you, maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe you're experiencing some difficulty. But listen, God expects the aged men to be charitable, to be temperate, to be sound in faith, to be patient. I know some men, and, and I would say there's not many, but I know that there are some that are up in years, and they use that as an excuse to let the younger folks take care of it regarding the service of the Lord in the church. Yet God's word reveals otherwise. Listen, just because you get up in years doesn't give you a, the opportunity to hit the retirement button and quit being faithful to God. Um, and I'm thankful for this church. We have young people, we have the aged people, and, and we have laborers in all of those demographics. And it's a blessing to be a part of this. Uh, but listen, I just want to encourage those that may struggle with the idea of, boy, I'm, I, I'm old and I'm washed up. Uh, that's not how God works. Now, I get it. If you're physically unable to do certain things, that's, that's a whole different thing. But did you know none of these things that were described here for the aged men were physical things, per se? Being sound in faith and, and being temperate and sober and patient, uh, those are characteristics that aren't uh, in and of themselves physical. They Certainly they could manifest physically at times or a lack of them. But here's some examples of how God uses folks that are advanced age. And, and here's some examples, and I, and I get it. Uh, some of these examples are well known, and, and certainly God physically blessed these people in, in their latter years. And not everybody is that, is that the case. Um, <clears throat> but Moses and Aaron, they were some old codgers. Uh, at, or Exodus 7, it says, and Moses was four score years old. That's 80. Aaron, four score and three years old when they spake unto Pharaoh. These were some old fellas. Uh, 
Look at Psalm 90 and verse 10. It's believed that Moses wrote this psalm. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Listen, these guys were serving God in their latter years. They weren't going to quit. And so what I would say is as long as God gives you the ability, you need to carry on. you got to keep on keeping on. Joshua and Caleb weren't the youngsters either when it was time to take the land. They spent their prime wandering in the wilderness, did they not? They really did. And uh, Joshua, or yeah, Joshua died at 110 years old. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. He was up in years when it was time to go take over. Uh, I am this day fourscore and five years old. 85 years old. And look what he says. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war both to go out and to come in. And so, listen, I, like I said, physically you may not be there, but this is a spiritual war that we're in. And so the aged men ought to be laboring spiritually in prayer and setting the example with, with the right kind of spirit in the church. Being sound in the faith and, and being temperate in things and being sober, being patient. Who did God use to fight His battles? Aged men willing to take a stand. It's a fact. I have a thought here, but I'll share it for the sake of, or I won't share it for the sake of being presumptuous. But what I will say is, be faithful to God. I've seen people that were physically able to, and they chose not to honor God with their life, and God took it from them. Who knows what God would have been able to do if they would have just been faithful to be obedient to Him. God used Daniel in his latter years. He's thrown in the lion's den, not as a young teenager. He's an old guy. Seventy years, he had just been faithful to his God. You would think, and I know over the course of time, regimes change and leadership changes, but you'd think at to some point they'd be like, this Daniel guy, we can, he's untouchable. He knows God, the God of heaven. Why would we mess with him? But, but people hated him so much. Listen, we're to be patient. We're to endure even when it's not convenient. Uh, God used Daniel well throughout his older years. What a great example of a young person that honored God throughout his entire life. In difficult circumstances. He was faithful as a young man, but also as an aged man. Philemon 9, Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul the aged. Do you think Paul could have ever got to the point and said, you know, haven't I done enough? Man, I've been in the ministry a while. Look at the churches that have been established. Look at, look at all these people that have been 
uh, brought to know or, or have been won to Christ. Look at all these things, but no. He says that in Philemon when he's in prison. He, he's a prisoner of the Lord. And at this time, we know that he wrote Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and, and of course, Philemon. Boy, and when he was released from the house arrest or whatever, uh, he continued to travel and, and encourage the churches uh, when he was released. Listen, Paul didn't give up. As long as God gave him the ability, he just continued doing what he could do. Listen, he couldn't get out and physically go to the churches, so what did he do? I'm going to write letters to him. Of course, we understand that that was inspired of God. But listen, what am I saying? He did not give up. God still had something for him to do. God used him to write half the New Testament. A man that just refused to retire. You know how easy it would be? Well, I'm in jail. What can I do? How soft are we today? Boy, we, we endure a little bit of hardship. And boy, we just want to quit. Lord, help us. I know of, uh, I think of uh, James Kennard, Sammy Popwell, and these are guys that were there. I'm very familiar with them because of the, my time in the military and, and the men that they led to the Lord. I was members of their churches, and, and I, Brother Kennard was a great blessing in, in my young Christian life. And, and Brother Popwell came to a church when we were in uh, Okinawa, and uh, Tom Lancaster, some of these guys that, that have been faithful. And I just look at these guys, and they look wore out. I'm like, brother, it's time to retire. I'm, here I am, 35, 40 years old, going, man, these guys have been at it a while. But they just want to keep on. And, and what a great testament that is. Listen, and, and I've heard them say, as long as God's going to allow me, I'm going to continue. Listen, did you know that the calling of the Christian is not for a period of time? It's for a lifetime. We are called to live for God our entire life. So it's no different today than it was in the examples that we looked in the Scriptures. God will continue to use the aged men who refuse to stop working. They just want to keep on. It is not enough to be considered sound or in the faith because we stood in the past. Boy, I stood for the truth back then. Or you've been serving in the church for many years. Aged man who is spiritually sound continues to be sober, grave, temperate, sound in the faith, sound in charity, sound in patience. Willing to serve whenever and wherever his Lord gives him the opportunity. Sound doctrine calls for aged men to bear fruit in old age. There's no retirement in the Christian life. David described this in Psalm 92, verse 12 through 15. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. What a testimony of a man, or lady that would serve God in their latter years. Uh, what, a, what a great example that is. Look at what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 
4, 15 through 16, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace which through the thanksgiving of many uh, redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Listen, we must not let our age excuse us from continuing to grow and to serve. That service may change, certainly as our physical bodies begin to uh, show their age, uh, but our commitment to our Lord should not wax any less, should not wane out. We should be faithful regardless. Perhaps God has more for liberty. I trust that He does. We need aged men to not be weary in well-doing. I get it, it can be tiring, but God hasn't given up yet. By God's grace, let's continue in sound doctrine and good works. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this day. Lord, we thank You for the challenge from Your Word. and Lord, certainly we pray that You would just strengthen us and help us to serve You and to honor You. And Father, I think of these characteristics that ought to be evident in our lives. We pray, Lord, that You just give grace. Help us to grow in grace and be faithful to You. And I pray, Father, that as we draw near to You, that You draw close to us and change us to be more like Christ. We'll give you the thanks for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.